Joe Rogan and Neil Young. There's been a lot of talk about Spotify and what's going on with Joe Rogan. Neil Young had come out and said that he was going to pull all of his music from Spotify if Joe Rogan doesn't get removed due to misinformation. And as both a music fan and a fan of Joe Rogan, it really bummed me out. I like Neil Young a lot. I love his music. I think he's a fantastic artist. And Joe Rogan, truthfully, he's, uh, he's the person who's responsible for this, this podcast in a lot of ways because I never would have thought about having a podcast unless I started down this path with, with Joe Rogan. Um, I started listening to his show probably back in 2011 or 2012. I was working at Wildwood Guitars, living in Colorado. And the photographer who worked there, he knew I was big into podcasts. Back then, I was just a straight-up Corolla guy. I listened to Adam Corolla all the time. He was, he was my number one, and I really loved him a lot. But uh, Phil, the, uh, the photographer, he had said to me, have you listened to, to Joe Rogan before? And I listened to Joe Rogan in passing, just in like clips, but I, I never really got it. I thought Joe's just kind of a meathead. He was a host of Fear Factor all that good stuff. I, I wasn't sold on it. I wasn't sold on it until I listened to this episode with Graham Hancock, who was, who is a, uh, he's a, like an archaeologist um, and a controversial one at that because he talks about basically civilizations that have come and gone that we have no written record of. And he says that we're a species with amnesia, all this all this stuff that a uh, a 21-year-old 20, stoner Taylor Berryman loved. Because it was fringe. It was uh, experimental. Um, people weren't having conversations like this usually in, in media. And in the, in the, the thing that attracted it to me was it was a, a rock and roll kind of platform podcasting. That's why I love it. It's, in a lot of ways, it's like the, the new rock and roll. But all that aside, so I, I got into to Joe and listening to Joe because he talked about improving yourself and that you had the power to change. I have historically never been the biggest fan of myself, but Joe was basically saying, hey, if you don't like yourself, you can change. And that's not really a conversation that I, I ever had with anyone. Not that Joe was having the conversation directly with me, but it impacted me. A lot of the things he was saying, because there aren't a lot of people in media that embrace young men. There aren't a lot of people in media that don't have a scripted narrative that they are going off of. And that was another reason that drew me in. And of course, I eventually discovered uh, Joey Diaz because of Joe, because um, he was on all the time. Um, Bill Burr, Burt Kreischer, Tom Segura. That's just the stand-up comedians that he's had for guests. He's also had this one guy, Matthew Walker, actually listened to this, re-listened to this podcast recently, where he was talking about um, the science of sleep and how necessary it is to sleep. And although I don't agree with everything that Joe says, 
we are heading into slippery territory. And today we have returning to the Poptimist, Zachary Lehman. Hey, what's up, dude? What's going on, <laughs> bro? Uh, it's interesting to watch this Joe Rogan thing unfold. It's crazy. It's crazy because, like you said, <clears throat> he's been around as a podcaster for so long. But then, even before that, he was around for so many years. Like I knew him as just the host of Fear Factor, and then I also knew him from Opie and Anthony. Yeah, that was the big thing. And then Opie and Anthony disappeared, and a lot of the same people appeared on Joe Rogan. So that was that kind of interested me. But the podcast, it's so weird to see it's become something that the White House talks about. Like, what the f- what is going on? Back in the How day, is that- Joe had on guests to talk about Bigfoot. And Joe oh, has yeah, talked those- about Bigfoot and said, hey, I wish Bigfoot was real. I just don't see this being something that's real. Those early episodes, remember, they were like all conspiracy theories or it was goofing around with uh, his buddies, his or buddy M- comedians. Or MMA guys. Or MMA or it was watching like weird fucked up videos. Yeah. Just being like, have you seen this before? And it's just evolved like naturally. But it's like you said about Joe, really, if you, anyone who's listened to, I think even if you haven't listened to the podcast, because Joe Rogan's just so uh, ingrained in the culture, it, I'm suspicious of anyone who really goes after him. Cause you can say negative stuff where it's like you pull a half truth here, a half truth here, you say something in the right context here. But the truth is that podcast and him as a person only has a positive message and only has a a positive energy behind it. Be your best self. That's what he talks about. Whatever disagreements you have, because nothing that's said on that podcast is said in any sort of concrete fashion. It's just open dialogue. So I'm really suspicious of people who go, this needs to be censored or this is inappropriate that this is being talked about. It's like, well, nothing is inappropriate to talk about. And it's scary that we've reached this point because we've gone from, in just a few years, from, you know, we got to get rid of Alex Jones because he's telling all these conspiracy theories. And, you know, most people agreed because they were like, he's a little crazy. Then we censored a president because we were like, he's kind of crazy. And most people seem to agree, but it was a little bit less. And now we're at Joe Rogan, which is a huge leap to take. Who's dead center? Honestly, like, he doesn't give a fuck about politics. No, I mean, he's he's someone who smokes weed, has guns. Yeah, um, he hunts. Um, but he also talks about that there should be some form of universal health care. Yeah. And that just sh- shit like he's that. had Andrew Yang on Tulsi Gabbard. He's had Bernie he's, Sanders. He's had a lot of progressives. And I would say he has a lot of progressive views. I'd say he's probably partially libertarian, partially maybe some some very, very social views. But the, the point is, like, even his political views are so irrelevant to the podcast because even the stuff that people find controversial, like where when he talks about politics or he talks about COVID, is such a small fucking portion of that podcast. And even when they go after this stuff where he's being – a little bit controversial, which is from like old, old episodes. It's still such a small portion. It's like, why don't you want to talk about anything else that happens on this podcast? Well, they're going backwards now because they first went after him about having Robert Malone on and um, I can't remember, Peter McCullough on. Yeah, and there were a few other people, basically anyone who talked about trans issues or COVID. But they don't talk about the fact that, yeah, he had on Robert Malone, but also... Sanjay Gupta's stupid ass was on there too. 
Uh, and uh, Michael Osterholm, who, yeah. who now works for the Biden administration. But how weird is it that there's no problem when it's the other side? It's, wait, wait, wait. Now it's an opinion that's different. It's like, uh, what is it? I, I don't understand why the White House has an opinion about Joe Rogan. I don't understand why Neil Young has an opinion about Joe Rogan, especially an opinion that you know, is becoming like a contract dispute with Spotify, which just sounds like a bunch of bullshit. So he could just get his catalog off there. Well, the whole thing, the other thing with Neil Young, and again, I'm a Neil Young fan. I, I love Neil I, Young. I like his music. Love he's, his music. He's amazing. But uh, he sold half of his catalog to a, a company, um, I think it, at the beginning of 2021 or something like that. And now he's pushing for Amazon Music and a lot of people we're giving Neil Young shit because they're like, oh, you want to go to a more moral company. Right, right. Well, that's the thing. It's, it's, that's what I don't like about it is this selective outrage. It's, you know, you're, okay, so you're mad at Joe Rogan. I mean, it's like people have brought up since the Joe Rogan thing. I mean, if you, because he's the biggest thing trending on social media, why isn't anyone upset with Howard Stern? Why isn't anyone upset with, you know, so-and-so? It, the list goes on and on of people who, Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Kimmel's day. And what's messed up is all the examples of Joe, you know, saying the N word, or they had like one clip of him maybe being racist. All of them are clips, not of him being like, here's some racist shit. I'm going to say he said it in his apology video. Yeah. He says the N word. It's usually because he's talking about, he's either reciting something someone else said, or he's talking about like one example he gave was he was talking about red Fox, the comedian using, uh, the N word on TV. Yeah. And you know, he wasn't, Whatever, it was an idiotic thing. He thought it was like okay to say, and now he's like, all right, it's not okay to say. But that's not enough proof to go, okay, this guy's a racist. I mean, because there's more proof of Jimmy Kimmel, who I don't believe is a racist, but if he's in not just blackface, he's in uh, black legs, black arms, he just did full black man to do a stupid NBA joke that wasn't even funny. It's like, well, if this is our standard, maybe this guy has more of a problem. Why are we going after Joe? Because now it's seeming like it's targeted. It is targeted, you know, and I think you look back at the Alex Jones thing, him getting removed. Uh, he was he was basically deplatformed, and he's yeah, just 100%. entirely yeah. Infowars now. His website, and I, I do again. I don't always agree with like Alex Jones or something like that. I, I watch him sometimes just for the entertainment value. It is funny to see him yeah. start screaming about yeah. demons and shit like that, but. Someone like Joe, he, we need these, uh, the, like cultural boogeyman to a, to a certain degree. And it was Alex Jones. Then once they got him out of the way, it was Donald Trump. And mm. now it's Joe, which I can understand to a certain degree. Not that I necessarily agree with it of why Alex and Trump were those boogeymen. But, but you, you, you can understand the pitch that they're making with both of them. Yes, which is I like, can understand the pitch, exactly. They're crazy, which you're like, okay, I get they how you're selling crazy. this. Yeah, they are crazy. I, I, I happen to like crazy, but I understood the pitch. But it's weird that Joe Rogan is next on the list because it's like, that is such a huge leap to make. Well, I think a lot of the people that are just average, normal Americans, like normal working people. They got to like Joe. Yeah. And you listen to Joe and like when I listen to him, I don't listen to him and think, oh, he's an out of touch rich guy. I've never, never once no. had that vibe. But the but a lot of people who are criticizing him, like Neil Young, 
my first thought was, you're an out-of-touch rich guy. 100%. Also because, you know, and this goes to Joni Mitchell and a lot of these other uh, artists who have come out and done the same thing, which I, I honestly, I do find a bit on the despicable side as a fellow artist because I think that's just crossing a line. You're almost asking to censor another artist because you don't agree with maybe the message they have or the message that you think they have. But also how weird is it that they've gone from, you know, they're the fucking raging against the machine. And now they're 100% in agreement with the government. And they, in fact, their statements about Joe Rogan are exactly the same as what's coming from the white house. Yeah. That's fucked up. Well, it's, it's scary too. And when all of that was happening, I, I just thought of, um, Harvey Dent in the dark night, what he said, you either, die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Yeah, 100%. And a lot of people are raging against the fucking machine, but they are in complete support of what the government and these corporations are saying. Well, the, the And it's, it's not just Joe Rogan. No. It's everything that's going on. Well, and they've, they've tricked... Uh, I mean, I won't say tricked. I mean, it's just a lot of people, their energies are focused on the wrong thing. It's like, yeah, they're raging against the machine, but the machine they're raging against isn't the actual machine. It's what the machine is telling them is the machine, yeah. which is Joe Rogan and everyone like him, which is, it's such a- there, there's It's a, very generic. It, and it's generic for a reason because the rules change every single day. The rules change every single day for what makes you a person who deserves a platform, what makes you someone who uh, who uh, deserves employment. It, the standards change every single day, and it's up to this crazy mob, which is basically being controlled by the government and corporations, because whatever they say now goes, you know? And Joe Rogan is the biggest fucking... I want to say the biggest victim of that, but I don't know. Even if he loses the Spotify deal, even if he leaves or Spotify says we're done with him... He'll just go do his own thing. I mean, I, I feel bad for him because he's such a normal guy. It's like, he, he's like Dave Chappelle. Like when Dave Chappelle gets in these controversies, he really doesn't want to answer them directly because he's like, I don't want to be involved in this stupid conversation. Well, it's a narrative that's formed around you. Right. And it's like, if you don't want to play the game, then it's really tiring. And I, I get that Joe doesn't want to be that guy. So who knows what he's going to do? I think it's fucked up though. It's And, you know, Dave Chappelle is... You know, they work together so much. But Dave Chappelle's a he's another example of like they tried so hard to make him look bad. But he's so insanely likable. And Joe's the same way. It's like it's almost like going after Adam Sandler. If they decide tomorrow, like, let's make Adam Sandler look like a Republican asshole, which they could bring up that he is a Republican, but it's someone who's so genuine and so like normal, not playing the game that I don't understand why they think they're like equipped at this point to go after that. It's like you, you could barely take out Trump. You could barely take out Alex Jones, the Looney Tune from Austin, Texas. Like you're going to take out Joe Rogan. How are you going to do that? Well, let me ask you this. <laughs> How hard is Alex Jones's dick right now that they're trying to cancel? Well, Joe Rogan? I've been seeing on Instagram. He's been going to church a lot. So he's, he's talking to God a lot about what's going on. You think he's bringing up Joe when he prays? Oh yeah. He's praying for Joe. He probably texts, uh, he probably texts Joe right after church. Prayed, prayed for you with, with prayed a capital you, U. Bud. Yep. <laughs> Little candle for you, bud. <laughs> well, dude, you know, the other thing is, uh, these, these people that are basically mutinying on, on our society now, I wouldn't even consider them 
liberals anymore. Like there, there, there are great, there are great people I know, even great friends of mine who are liberal. Well, there's no ideology. Yeah. There's no ideology. It's just whatever you are, we don't like, and we need to get rid of you. And it can be, you can pick convenient targets like Alex Jones, Trump, very convenient targets. You know, let's say um, Roseanne Barr, convenient target. Joe's a tough target. And one of the things that makes him tough is he's also kind of above these conversations, these us and them, they, you know what I mean? He, he just doesn't want to be involved in it. He's like, fuck you. So he's a tough one to, to take down, but it's, it's fucked up. Like you mentioned the slippery slope. It's hard to feel like we're not already just sliding down the slippery slope because it's like, I mean, if Alex Jones disappeared, he got deplatformed in 2018. We're in 2022 and you have the White House calling for Spotify to do more to censor the ex-host of Fear Factor, his podcast. I mean, that just feels like you're already on the slippery slope. We're already on it. And I don't really know as like, as a culture, how we bounce back from, from oh, something like how? that. How? There, I don't think there's any way to, and I, I don't know where it goes from here. Because um, really, you look at history around, from around the world, what ends up happening. Again, going back to Alex Jones's deplatforming. He's, he's, an, he's an easy target. I, I, same thing with Trump. I get why it happened. But even someone I vehemently disagree with, I would never be like, they shouldn't be allowed to talk. To talk. To talk. That's what's crazy is the, the most, the, I would say the most signature of, of American freedoms, which is freedom of speech. I mean, that's how the greatest artists come from here. It's how our last, our very last export, we export nothing, we create nothing in the U.S. We buy everything. The last thing everyone still takes from us, art. Now, there's a reason for that because we have this unprecedented freedom of speech and now people are trying to find loopholes to get rid of it. And quite frankly, that's why it's not liberal because even a liberal has some semblance of respect for the country that they're in. You know what I mean? Or at least the, the principles, like the principles of the Constitution, the freedoms, the, this basic civil liberties. But people talking about this stuff, they don't because they're just trying to loophole their way into creating a world where they don't have to hear from people they disagree with, they don't have to be challenged, and they can live in a constant bubble of validation. It's sickening, and it's sickening to see, you know, we have people in power who basically give them the ultimate validation because it's like, yeah, we're on your side. And, you know, and then Joe Rogan, it's like, you're targeting this guy. What does he ever do besides just give a positive fucking message? And the other thing is, he also questions what the narrative is. Right, which any healthy person should do. And I, I guess that's what they, and that's what's scary is when they're going after Joe Rogan, they frame it as when you, you know, you read these uh, quote unquote think pieces or you hear from these pundits, they frame it as, well, it's a war on misinformation. But again, if we're really chalking up, first off, misinformation is like way too vague of a word to even calculate. But if we're really talking about, okay, anytime he talks about COVID is wrong, it's such a small percentage that the argument doesn't make sense. This is a war on basically open conversation, freedom of conversation, because they need every conversation framed a certain way, just like this one. Well, the mistake that they're making too, 
is there's no such thing as 100% compliance. Mm-mm. And you you look at places like uh, like China and what the CCP are doing. They've done a pretty fucking good job at getting 100% close to it. Yeah. They're as close as anybody on this planet right now, maybe besides North Korea. They've at least put themselves in a position where people who are non-compliant don't have enough power to make any sort of difference or to even have their voice be heard. Well, I think to like the philosophy that these politicians are taking is they they look at somewhere like China, like like what the CCP is doing and that's what their ultimate goal goal is is anyone who disagrees with them gets shut down right away. Which, and I, I don't even think for most for most politicians who think like that even though they know enough not to be open about that. I don't think a lot of them think it in a in a negative way, maybe negative about the people they disagree with, but that's what they want because that's what they think is ultimately going to fix everything is government. Government because they don't even believe in uh, it's I mean it's not even equality anymore. It's equity now. Yeah. There's no such thing as equality. Equality even they've reached the point where they've gotten not a majority of people, definitely a small vocal minority, but they've gotten a significant number of people to actually agree that equality is an offensive word. Well, if if you even had the magic power to turn everyone the same skin color, we would like it wouldn't erase racism. Like I, I guess I'm jaded in in believing well, that racism, homophobia, any kind of ism, it's always going to exist as long as humanity exists, and that is just the ugly fucking truth. Well, it's and. It's not even that it's like something that, of course it exists because human nature, there's always going to be some percentage of just horribleness. And like the way to fix that is not this idea of like having a government, you know, decide what's equitable and not, or not. But it's like that South Park episode where they get rid of religion and racism and homophobia and all this shit and they go into the future and it's supposed to be perfect, but they just found new shit to argue about. Exactly. New nonsense. 100%. That's why I, I look at it and that's why like silencing voices, even if you think even if it's a straight up racist, I mean, just silencing voices in general, it's just a bad practice. And again, it's a slippery slope because eventually you end up at Joe Rogan, but it's a bad practice in general because you're just giving power to something that if it's just out in the open, it doesn't have power. Take the Westboro Baptist church, for instance. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, They say all kinds of horrible things about gay people. They go and protest Soldiers' soldiers' funerals. funerals. Yeah, I don't know if they're around anymore. There's got to be some semblance of them. But yeah, they were huge for years. But th- there's always going to be groups like the Westboro Baptist Church. Yeah, just people who are misguided in our fucking society. I disagree with them. I don't think their ideas are good at all. But they have the same First Amendment right that you and I have. Well, that Joe has. Yeah. And I I think, I I think the issue nobody's really talking about is, you know, what we're really going through right now is a mental health crisis. 150%. Because, and I understand it. It it, it is a bit jarring to me because it's definitely become more common for people to just be negative and depressed and which, you know, me, I'm negative and depressed and angry all the time, but now everyone else is, is sort of acting like that's the norm. But I think especially when you get into this stuff, when it becomes like, okay, you know, there's thousands of hours of Joe Rogan's podcast. I've maybe listened to a few hours. 
I think the government should step in and be banned. The issue is not your ideology. The issue is you are just not mentally equipped to deal with the world as it is right now. You need to work on some personal fucking shit. Well, okay. I'll give you another instance. So I don't know if you saw it because you've been out of town the past couple of days, but there is that church in Mount Juliet that had a fucking book burning, bro. Yeah, I heard about that. They were burning like Harry Potter and Twilight. Which which happens, that happens. It wasn't even because that it's shit literature. It's because of what like what the contents are. They say right. it's demonic, satanic, whatever. Right. They're crazy shitbirds. They're crazy shitbirds. Look, I those are people that I fucking disagree with. Like I yeah. can never sit down and have a logical, rational conversation with someone no. from that church. I would make fun of them. And yeah. Bully them. Yeah. The, people like that, to a certain degree, that they, they do need to be bullied. But what we're not Just, talking about is on the other end of the spectrum these crazy other shitbirds that don't have religion in their life. And again, I am not fucking religious. Their religion is now government. It is now people like AOC and you can make the same argument. And I agree with, to a certain extent, that's what Donald Trump was for a lot of variety righties. He was like this deity like figure that came down and they thought he was going to solve everyone's problems, which ultimately I do think, in a lot of ways, Donald Trump was a good president, but I've, I've never felt the, like the pull to him that other people have felt. I was just trying to look at it from my point of view, my taxes, my life, all that shit. And I feel like that's what most people do. And I look back on the whole January 6th thing, for, for instance. I got pretty depressed when all of that went down. Uh, just because of the way people were behaving. And again, that's another instance. I disagree with what those people did at the Capitol. They should have never stormed the Capitol. They should have never done any of that bullshit. It's straight up wrong to uh, to try and physically overthrow the government like that. Maybe they should have started with the IRS and I would have been a little more supportive. Hell yeah. But where, where does this end? You know what I mean? Like, I, I really think... People have forgotten what it means to be an individual. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, it's a war on individuality. It's a war on individualism. And if you look at the the content on Joe Rogan, that's what they're doing. They're going after individuality because individuality is threatening right now. And like when I'm talking about, you know, a, a crisis of mental health, there's a lot of people, and it's understandable because there's COVID. There's We are living in a time where information is hitting you so fast, our brains are not trained to, to react to this uh, information um, in any sort of rational way yet. You know, we're dealing with uh, crises in just... Uh, you know, we have people... Economic crisis. We have a depression crisis. We have we have relationship crises. We have, like, like societies going through a lot of cultural changes. But, look, right now, we're letting... And this, I'm not saying being mentally ill makes you weak, because I have my own struggles with mental Everybody illness. Everybody does. Everybody does. But we're not encouraging... And, of course, because this is America's thing to do, we just pretend mental illness doesn't exist. Instead of telling people, like, look, you need to be individually better. You need to learn how to deal with this world better. We're just sort of letting them rule everything. 
because like January 6th, you said, you know, your reaction was like a normal person's reaction, which is like, that is dumb. And that's like, yeah, it's a little depressing like that that happened and you move on. But people who legitimately let that and they let like, oh my God, if I don't have a mask on, I'm going to die. Like they're legit living in fear because they're being bombarded with information all the time. And also we're at a time where it's scarier than ever to be an individual and to have an individual opinion, whether we're talking about politically or we're even talking about personally on a dating app or just being out with friends or introducing yourself to people. It's harder than ever to be an individual. And that's what a war is on because now we have a lot of these people, they have to belong to a tribe. They have to be a part of a victim class. They have to be a part of something that validates their life. In which, uh, to, to make kind of like a counterpoint to that, not necessarily a counter argument, I do think that groups should, should be celebrated. Absolutely. You know? Like whether it's Native American, uh, you know, African American, Indian, whatever. But the victimization, the, the obsession. Well, it, okay. Let me, let's talk about this for a second. We grew up in Brunswick, very liberal place. Like in, in our school, it was a mix of people who their parents worked at BIW and who their parents worked at Bowdoin College, very liberal place. Um, most of the people whose parents worked at BIW were more conservative leaning and most of the people who parents worked at Bowdoin College were more liberal leaning, and there was division even back then. You could you could see it start to happen, and I I remember seeing it back then and not really thinking about it, you know, because we had a couple of classes together. We would openly engage either in political debate or just whatever societal norms were. Yeah. And we always argued for the French. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's just... And again, I mean, yeah, that, that plays into it too, just sort of, you know, classes and everything is sort of like distance. Everything is now like us or them. And again, it's that tribal mentality of you need to be around people who agree with you, listen to people who agree with you. But it, it's just scary because again... I think for most people, it's not even a political thing. It's a subconscious thing. It's they have to belong. They're doing what they subconsciously have to do to survive, to have the most comfortable life. And right now to have the most comfortable life, and we could be talking about an array of issues, but just in general, to have the most comfortable life right now, it's better to not be an individual. It's better to go along to get along. Yeah. And that's scary, man. That's scary. Well, it's scary too because, like, let's talk about the corporations for a second and what they've done. Because we've seen over the past, over the past decade, but especially over the past five years, we'll say really since Donald Trump started running, a lot of these corporations were starting to stand for gay rights, for equality among all races, which is all good stuff. I don't disagree with that, but my whole fucking thing with it is they don't have good intentions. They have no. very sinister intentions, yeah. which is to profit off of you. So all of a sudden, these corporations are good. You name you name it. Every corporation, they, they change their profile picture given whatever the month is of the holiday or what, whatever it is. And I don't ever feel like they're truly in support. Of, of any of these issues are really trying to make a difference for these people that they claim to support. It's more of social 
brownie points and a, and a PR move. Yeah, but I mean, it's the same on an individual level. That's why most people, I, you know, when they, they post these uh, messages of solidarity, it's more about just hearing, having their voice heard and making sure people know that they're a part of whatever, you know, bullshit, you know, social cause that's going to be forgotten tomorrow is the fucking hot trend of the day. It's sad, but I mean, that's also why, like when people get mad at Joe or any of these people and they go, you did this wrong and you did this wrong. An apology doesn't matter because it's all empty statements anyway. Like when Nike puts out, you know, some ad that's pro whatever, it means nothing. It's just we're reaching a point where companies are realizing that the world is so divided and the culture is so beyond repair that they have to target certain audiences and certain audiences. It's not even about having the right political message. It's about having their message, validating them and making sure you're in the approved group. That's all it is. And so it's just, it's just all bullshit. It's just all nonsense. Nobody wants real change. Well, it's the uh, Freudian thing too, where it's like, when did Madison Avenue figure out that if you put a rainbow flag as your profile picture, if you're a big, fortune 500 company like when did they figure out that people feel like they're good people for supporting that project uh, like product like bank of america dude yeah bank of america it does not matter to me what whatever it is the the political stance that my bank takes it doesn't matter to me like chick-fil-a chick-fil-a famously a conservative company i love chick-fil-a I don't agree with, like, I love their food, but I don't agree with their philosophies on gay people and how they they believe in, like, conversion therapy and shit like that and have donated to all sorts of uh, nefarious causes, I would say. But if you look far enough to any of these corporations, they're really just playing both sides. They have scenarios for if Donald Trump wins, if Joe Biden wins. Well, and that's they have why, plans in place. And that's why when people are upset, they're not – this isn't information they're going and getting on their own. Otherwise, they'd be upset with a lot more people and a lot more corporations. It's just, you know, whatever Jake Tapper was covering the night before, whatever Jen Psaki said uh, at the White House press briefing that week, they're just going after whatever is trendy. Otherwise, you wouldn't just go after Joe Rogan. You wouldn't just go after one corporation. You'd go after all of them because – and that's why these standards don't matter because it, they're impossible to meet and it's really just ammunition that you have prepared for whoever you're targeting because they can't defend themselves. And it's, I mean, as far as corporations changing their tune, I mean, I think corporations just started realizing like people are living uh, their lives online more. People are more insecure with themselves. People need to be validated more. Um, people need not to, I, this is what's also scary People, you have a lot of like rich white liberals. They don't necessarily want to engage with other cultures, but they want their version of those cultures represented. So it's all this nonsense stuff that just doesn't matter. But I think corporations are just realizing like people are weak, man. People are, they're just mentally lost and they have to be validated. They have to hate something. There always has to be a good guy. There always has to be a bad guy. They have to know what side they're on. It has to be very compressed because we can't have long form debates anymore. You know, it all has to fit in a three-minute segment or a 30-second YouTube or a 160-character tweet. It's it's just depressing, man. It's depressing. I really think the, the remedy to, to all of this is, like, trying to clean up 
your life and keep your side of the street clean. But that's even offensive today, you saying that. Yeah, I know. I know. And it's like uh, another person, again, this is another way that Joe, Joe Rogan has impacted me, was uh, that my discovery of like Jordan Peterson and a lot of the things that he talks about. And I don't always agree with Jordan Peterson. I maybe hear 80% of the things he says, and I'm like, yeah, I agree with that. And then the other 20%, I'm like, right. I don't agree with this at all. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, but he talks about the, like, the first step to changing the world is, is keeping your room clean, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, it just makes me sad, dude. It makes, it makes me sad because I feel like people are going through a lot of spiritual pain and they're looking out and thinking these problems, if they get fixed, then my right. life will be fixed. It, yeah. Well, people are there. And it's sad people aren't, again, because we just don't talk about individuality anymore, but thinking on a macro level is very, very toxic. I think it's the most toxic It's damaging to your mental health. It's damaging to you. It's damaging to the world. It's damaging to people around you. But that's how, not everybody, but that's how a good portion of the world thinks now. And it's not a healthy way to think. And that's why I guess that the positive spin is, uh, it's not a positive spin, but if we're already on the slippery slope, it's, it's you know what, what's going to happen is going to happen. Because um, we can't control it. Yeah. I and, mean, th- this conversation might even be in vain itself, you know, because right. it's already happening. But it's, it's like you said, like, take care of, you know, it's like they used to say, take care of your front yard. And it's like, yeah there's a good portion of society that's not going to listen to that anymore. And that's very damaging to all of us as we're fucking seeing, but it's still advice you kind of have to take. Cause it's the only thing you can control to keep yourself from going crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I've been, I've been really kind of going deep on the, um, on the Buddhism thing and trying to research more about it. It's the, it's the only religion that I've ever felt comfortable with. Uh, just because it's, there's no God per se. I mean, there's Buddha, but they don't even really talk about Buddha that often, but he's like the whole thing around it is, uh, life is suffering and through suffering, you find yourself. Um, and I feel like right now we, as a society, we aren't learning our lesson whenever we suffer. We are looking as soon as we start suffering and feel discomfort we look out and we point at someone and say you're the cause of this which if you do that in your personal life for instance and i have been 100 percent guilty of this this is something i am trying to change about myself looking out and seeing someone in my life and feel like they're doing something that's fucking with me but it's only my perception it's well, my perception that's the issue. And I mean, you know, another part of that is sometimes you point your finger out and you could absolutely be right. But yes. But even if you're right, okay, what now? Yes. Because you're not going to change another person and you're not going to change the world by trying to change another person. So really it's whether it's your own perception or it's, again, what you can control. So you can point at 10 things and be like, these are keeping me from being who I want to be. Maybe two of them are correct. But if you spend all your time focused on these 10 things, you're never going to be able to pivot to whatever you need to do. Well, you have to focus inward. And 
and going through life now, I feel like there are periods where you are at the bottom of the mountain and you are at the top of the mountain. And it can be like that for your career. It can be like that in dating, in a relationship, in family relationships, job, whatever, you name it. And now I just don't feel like that's an accepted thing. Like life from a societal aspect, everybody wants to be comfortable and they don't want to lose their comfort because we have a very, very, very fucking comfortable life in America. Is yeah. it perfect? No. Well, we've, we've gone from, you know, once upon a time, people pioneered out West without knowing what it looked like. And, you know, if a guy fell and scraped his knee, if nobody wanted to help him, guess what happened? He died. Today, you don't need to do anything physical. You can live your whole life inside an apartment and never leave, technically, if you really want to. Yeah, you can um, have your groceries delivered. Alcohol delivered. You can I have mean, everything delivered. And, but, uh, but yeah, the, the point is, like, you can live like that, but the consequence of having so much convenience physically is that now we're up here. Now it's all mental. Now we're dealing with, okay, you didn't scrape your knee and you're not going to die from an infection, but I am sort of at this point where I'm not having a lot of sympathy for certain people because I'm going, you need to get your shit together. I can't help you. Society can't help you. You need to do it to mentally survive today. Well, what is happening now is people are getting things like mental knee scrapes and it is getting infected and it's not something that has to get infected. Well, and then, then they're they, festering and they're rubbing their infection, trying to, on other people's yeah. wounds or perceived wounds. Well, and then they're doing what all people do in those situations. They're a cornered animal. They go, this is Joe Rogan's fault. This is white people's fault. White supremacism. This, this, this. It's just... And again, maybe once or twice you say something that's like, yeah, you know what? You're right. That probably is having a negative effect in your life. But there's nothing you're going to be able to do about it. But we live in this world where... I guess that's what, you know, I understand, uh, you know, being something that drives people nuts is these are the people that are being coddled to, though. These are the people who are technically in charge are the weakest, the slowest, the most judgmental, the, I mean, just the worst. The mob. Yeah, the mob, the mob. No one individual, just this catechism of just nonsense, just a cacophony of voices, of anger. Well, let me ask you this. So on that note, has it always been that way, and is it just amplified by tech now? Yes, am amplified in two ways. Tech because we're constantly connected, but also because, you know, this is another slightly negative view, but I think tech has also just played into a lot of people's worst human instincts. So people didn't have opportunities to do certain things or to engage at certain levels or to hurt people on certain levels. And so now it's just happening. I mean, and I think we're just, the internet and all of that shit is still so new to our lives. Our brains aren't trained to, to properly handle it. But I also don't think, I mean, if we're looking at like what we've done with the internet so far, I also don't think people are going to reach that point because they've clearly shown like they don't want to use, I mean, fuck, they'll, you know, they'll sit around and you can find thousands, millions of conversations about, you know, a picture of uh, the port in L.A., because General Mills isn't going to be in stores this week, but you won't find anybody talking about the women being sex trafficked there. So I don't, I, I don't know, man. It just brings out people's apathy and people's 
just the worst aspects of people. The the worst aspects that exist in every single one of us. Yeah, just and, and for some people, those are the controlling personality traits. They're almost animals in the worst way possible. You know, where they're just consumers, and I, I, that, that's what people are now. And it's because I think they can't they can't keep up with this world. But it'd be like going back to those times where people were pioneering and. Instead of sometimes going, you know what? You scraped your knee. You figure it out or you're going to sit there and die. Well, we don't do that anymore. Well, it's it's also like back in those times, it's like, okay, you scraped your knee. We're going to give you the medicine to fix this, but you got to get up and you got to walk and you still got to carry your shit. But that's not the, yeah, and that's not the thing today. So it's, and it's like, how would anything have gotten done if they they treated people the way that we do now? Because the people calling the shots are the people who always fall and always scrape their knee. They're the ones leading us. And what do you know? They keep falling and we keep going like, wow, society's going in a weird direction. It is because these are the people we're always following. I just don't know what the, the remedy to any of this is, dude. I, I, ex- I except know. Kanye West. <laughs> yeah, if Kanye was president, none of this would be happening right now. Hell no. Um. I really do think that the cure for this is just going inward and figuring out what you have gone wrong with in life, like in your, in your individual relationships with people. Cause it, there's almost like a, uh, a global consciousness and the global consciousness right now is, I mean, it's all the shit that we're talking about. Well, yeah, I think right now the global consciousness is kind of fear and paranoia. It's yeah, it's it's that it's it's still sort of morphing into what it's going to be. I have no idea what it's going to be. I mean, even the Joe Rogan thing, even that specifically, I couldn't tell you. Maybe he'll leave Spotify. Maybe Spotify will drop him. Maybe he'll be there forever. Maybe he'll stop podcasting. I don't know anymore. But again, it goes back to that thing. It's like I don't know how we. I don't know how someone who, you know, legitimately thinks that their problem in life is Joe Rogan or Joe Rogan's legitimately killing people. I don't know how you help that person, but you know, my advice to them would be just what you said. And just what I would tell everyone else, like just focus on your shit, focus on your journey and how you can bring positive changes to the world. Not like this guy, I don't like what this guy says and this is misinformation and like, just focus on your shit, follow your own footsteps, make a difference in the world. Well, the other thing that that's happening now too, um, like you look at what Democrats are today and it's what conservatives were through the eighties, nineties and early two thousands. I mean, we have a Democrat in office and he's about two steps away from going to war. Yeah. And this is less than six months after we just got out of a 20 year war. That's crazy. And with Russia, that's crazy. A Democrat. Yeah. Uh, Democrat. That's crazy. But again, it's why it's, it, we live in these times where there are no rules. There's no real, I mean, some people I would say in DC have ideologies, some pundits do, but most of them don't. It's just, Hey, this is what's convenient right now. Bad guy, good guy. Boom. What do you think? And if it sells, they stick to it. If it doesn't, they move on to the next thing. Well, the, the, the general American consensus too, is that like, especially now, and I remember you and I have been talking about this shit, even when we were back in Brunswick, is that the politicians are not in our favor whatsoever. And when we used to say that shit, people used to call us conspiracy theorists and shit. Yeah. How about now? 
that is accepted fact now that yeah. the media is not on on the side of the American people, yeah. that politicians aren't on the side of the American people. And really it boils down to being a class war. It's it's a class war, but it's being disguised as a race war, as an economic right. war. And to a certain degree, it is talked about. And those, again, those are factors you can look out at and be like, this is a problem in America. But again, if you're dealing with it only on a macro sense, you're never going to make a difference. You know what I mean? Like if a racism truly is a problem for you, the only way you're going to solve it, especially as a white person, is changing on a micro level and changing other people on a micro level. But these conversations are always so big to them. You know what I mean? They need they need these vast changes in the world to fix whatever fucking empty void they have inside of them. Well, that's the perfect note to end it. On. <laughs> uh, so um, let's talk a little bit about the fact that we uh, we have a podcast coming out this week. It is a season finale yes. of Man, Man of Science, Science, Man of Faith with Dallas Sonia. Uh, producer extraordinaire behind Bone Tomahawk, uh, Brawl and Cell Block 99, Run, Hide, Fight, and Shut In, which is coming out uh, this coming week, which is the new Daily Wire film. Uh, yeah, we have an early review of it and then an interview with Dallas Sonia where he talks about bringing Vincent Gallo out of retirement and a bunch of other fun stuff. And uh, we'll have that up right before the, the movie comes out on Thursday. So go check it out. My final question to you, Zach. Yes. When is there a Zach Lehman solo show coming out? Solo podcast? Oh, I don't know. Soon. Soon. Okay. Soon. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Okay. I'll see you next week.